If you want to understand how marketing is changing and how that will affect your brand, you need Future Proof, the podcast from Kantar that tells you how to find growth. Created in conjunction with Side Business School at Oxford University, the Future Proof podcast provides a unique perspective on what truly makes a difference. To understand what's winning in marketing, subscribe to Future Proof, a Kantar podcast now. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Hey listeners, I have to provide a quick disclaimer ahead of this podcast. In this podcast, we are not offering any financial advice and nothing in this podcast should be construed as financial advice. You should carry out your own independent research before making any funding decisions. And if you're unsure of your funding decisions, you should seek the help of a professional financial advisor. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Cybervisibility. With me today is Asha Ismail, co-founder of Uncapped, and we're going to be discussing investment breakdown options or breakdown of investment options. And this comes with Uncapped doing an unusual, a different or alternative uh, solution to investment in this space. And it's going to be a really interesting episode for growing businesses that have that desire, that ability to grow you can see the future ahead of you, but you're not quite sure what the best investment option is for you and what options are out there. Asha, do you want to take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners, share any personal or company missions that you have, and just explain what your role is at Uncapped? Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Scott. It's really great to be here. Um, I'm, I'm Asher. I'm one of the co-founders of Uncapped. And what we're really passionate about is that founders shouldn't have to give away equity to fund growth. So we provide you know, a fast, flexible funding for marketing, inventory, or hiring without personal guarantees or dilution. Um, I guess my background is in startups. This is the, the third business that I've started over the years. And I think the biggest problem I always had was getting the funding that I needed. So it, to me, it's really a dream, basically, to get to work on Uncapped and you know, help other entrepreneurs get the funding they need. Um, you know, our first customers were actually my friends. So, you know, from the start, I think we've created a product that's really friendly. It's, you know, fast, fair, flexible, transparent. You know, it's the product we wish always existed. So that's interesting. The product that you wish always existed and the fact that you had started off working on this product or this solution with some of your friends or to support your friends. Can you maybe talk through that part of the journey a little bit? So I, I really get, am curious about the trigger moments or what led to the creation of Uncapped and your role in Uncapped? Was there something that you saw in this area of fundraising, of investment that you didn't like and you wanted to solve? Or did you just have a vision for doing something different? Yeah, well, I guess I've been on this journey of building startups since I did my first one in 2003. Uh, meanwhile, my co-founder, Piotr, he was a venture capitalist. And I think we just both noticed the same problem, 
which is that you know growing businesses were often left to choose between raising costly venture capital or burdening themselves with traditional debt. And you know, I guess personally, also I was just really surprised at how little equity founders would end up with at exit. So like the current stat is that you know at exit a founder will likely own less than fifteen percent of their business. And you know, equity can be you know one of the most expensive ways to fund a company's growth. It takes a long time to raise. And it can often mean that, you know, founders end up losing control of their companies. And I think we both just felt that, you know, with European companies, there's been so much progress. They're monetizing, you know, sooner than ever. But, you know, the innovation in terms of how companies have funded just hasn't moved along at the same pace, you know, for a market where we have, you know, so many diverse types of businesses, it's strange that there isn't the same diversity in terms of funding solutions. And so can we set up to, you know, found on cap to maybe create that opportunity. And you mentioned in Europe and European businesses there, but is it the same in other countries that you've seen? Is this pretty a universal problem across the world? Well, I think, you know, founders will probably express to you that, you know, getting, getting capital is a universally challenging problem, no matter where you are. Mm. But I think, um, you know, some parts of the world have, you know, moved a little bit further in this area of just being a little bit more innovative. So you see a lot more different funding options available to entrepreneurs in North America, for example. But, you know, European businesses, I think, have lagged that a little bit. And I think that's why there's an even bigger opportunity in this market. Mm. And, and when I was thinking about this episode and when I started to learn about Uncap, it was funny because I had that moment of realization that you probably had a very long time ago where I've kind of just accepted this. So I've kind of accepted that growing businesses either have a few options that I that I know about so they can self-fund, whether it's loans or credit cards or savings and invest, they self-fund the venture that they go on. They can seek capital from VC. They can maybe undertake a bank loan. They can seek crowdsourcing and that's become more popular over the years. But I realized as I was talking through all of those options that perhaps they don't offer the, the same level of flexibility that Uncapped aim for. I just want to know, are there any other investment options that you see that I haven't discussed there? And when you had this idea for Uncapped at the beginning with your co-founders, what were the compulsory features or solutions within Uncapped that you knew you needed to have to offer something different? Yeah. Well, you know, in my last startup, I literally experienced every type of fundraising. So (laughs) I've had angels, I had strategic investors, a great VC fund, we had the fourth largest crowdfunding target before Monzo came and blew that away. We even explored debt, you know, but ultimately the tool I really needed was missing. And I, you know, I think that's what we've set out to create, but, but maybe let me walk you through like just what some of those options were, you know, kind of how I thought about them as well, in case that's helpful. So, you know, first you mentioned, you know, self-funding as being the, you know, probably the, the option that we all kind of start with, uh, you know, where you have full ownership and uh, you have full control of your business but the challenge, of course, is that it's slow to build a business that way because effectively you just need to reinvest the profits that you have into future growth. And, you know, if you have a business, for example, that is like, say, in the fashion industry, you know, you're basically moving at the pace of a season because you have to wait till buy the inventory that you need, um, go out and sell that stock. And then you have to basically wait to the next season before you can actually get to that next level of growth. And so you're always in this place where you're just moving along at that limited pace. And then, you know, that's true for other sectors, of course, as well. 
So then what do you do, you know, as an entrepreneur? Well, you're like, well, okay, I want to be able to grow a little bit faster and, uh, you know, get to the goals that I foresee for myself just that much quicker. So the first option you'd say, well, it seems simple enough to go get a bank loan. Um, you know, interest rates, they're lower than ever. You know, why not? Well, the problem is, is that you're probably not eligible. You know, you need to have a trading history. You know, even an alternative lender like Funding Circle expects you to have two years of history. And, you know, typically on top of that, it has to be, you know, a trend towards profitability. And for businesses who are, you know, trying to actually grow as quickly as possible, actually they're taking every pound they make and then reinvesting it into more marketing and more inventory. So actually, you know, profit is not their focus. So it's just a misalignment with what banks are looking for and what that type of business is looking to do. And then on top of that all, you have to sign a personal guarantee, which means to fund your baby, you have to put up your house. And for so many entrepreneurs, they don't own a house. You know, certainly when I was starting my first company, I was, that was definitely a pipe dream, I think at the time. And, you know, for so many other entrepreneurs, they just don't come from a background that will let, you know, afford them to be able to put up their assets like that. Okay. So, you know, if bank loan isn't necessarily an option, what does an entrepreneur left do? Well, you're left with options where you have to give away equity. So, you know, the first one we obviously hear a ton of noise about is venture capital. Uh, and typically in venture capital, you give up, you know, 20 to 30% of your company in each round of funding. And you also give up control. You give up a board seat. And once you've given it away, you can never get it back. It doesn't suit every business because, you know, for some use cases, it's really silly. You know, if you're planning to raise to turn around and spend that on Facebook ads, where you already know that one pound in will give you, you know, three pounds of revenue. Um, this is a really expensive way to basically build a business like that. And then, of course, there's also real inequity, inequity, <laughs> you know, 0.05% of companies will go and raise venture capital. And 98% of that money will go to men. So it's a system that obviously, you know, isn't right for, you know, again, many entrepreneurs and many entrepreneurs just will have real trouble accessing that path. And then um, there's crowdfunding, of course, which is probably a lot less exclusive. And, you know, I'd say a successful campaign, it you know, validates your business idea and potentially builds your customer base. Um, it works probably best with B2C businesses. Um, my last company, uh, we did a crowdfunding raise exactly for that reason. You know, we had developed an insurance platform for learner drivers and were able to, you know, simultaneously bring on a bunch of customers as well as investors. But it was a lot of work. It was, you know, a multi-month pre-campaign and it was totally nerve-wracking um, because, you know, you've got this threshold to meet, right? And it's all or nothing. And accordingly, you know, the consequences of failure are severe. If you're turned down by a venture capitalist, you can always seek out another VC. But if your crowdfunding campaign fails, it can be hard to recover, right? Because most platforms, they won't let you list again. Mm -hmm. And then a failed public crowdfunding campaign, at least to the majority of angels and VCs, signals either your plan or your execution, you know, just isn't good enough. So for me, you know, I just didn't think any of these options were really the right one as an entrepreneur. And I guess as you hear me speak about it, maybe it sounds like I'm, I'm like a therapist unrooting some trauma, uh, because I think for so many entrepreneurs, that fundraising experience can be just that. The way I'm thinking about this is that the odds are stacked against entrepreneurs before they even start because of all of these different funding options. And like you said, the path to growth can be quite slow 
quite painful and filled with so many obstacles just in the financial area, which I guess leads nicely to Uncapped and why you're here. So enter Uncapped, a different solution to this problem. Can you maybe take some of those issues that you just talked about and then discuss how Uncapped helps in context of those issues? For sure. So, you know, Uncapped is Europe's first revenue-based finance provider. So, you know, our belief is that, you know, founders shouldn't have to give away ownership to fund their company's growth. And what that means is that we provide equity and interest-free investments. Um, it's pretty simple in terms of model. We charge, you know, a flat fee for the capital we provide and the company pays us back via revenue share. So there's no pitching. There's no business plans. There's no coffees required, which means you can get back to growing your company. Um, maybe I'll just give you an example, just explain a little bit how it works. Like, so for example, you know, if I lend you a hundred thousand to spend on marketing, we take back a fixed portion of your daily revenue until we get 106,000 back. And, you know, we don't take any equity. There's no personal guarantees, warrants, or hidden fees. You're just paying the 6% flat fee. And critically, because the repayments are tied to your revenue, if the business slows, the founder isn't cut out. You know, the repayments also slow down. And so you know, we really believe it's the most affordable, flexible type of financing available to growth companies. The key difference, I'd say, from all the options we discussed before as well, is that it's fast. So you apply in minutes and you get a decision in 24 hours. Um, you know, anytime you're going to go out and try to raise from a bank or a VC, you're looking at maybe months uh, to actually get the funding in your pocket. And, you know, for an entrepreneur, I think that time is one of the most valuable assets that you can get because every minute that you're out fundraising, it means you're not building your business. And, you know, perhaps if you're in a market or if you have a, you know, a great idea, it's probably true that there's a bunch of other people who have that same great idea. So getting, getting to market quickly and being able to push as hard as you can can be incredibly important. But of course, I think the other difference is the idea that you keep control. You know, we're not asking you to pledge your house or your assets. We're not going to dilute you. You know, it's your business and you deserve to own more of it. Um, but then finally, it's about that flexibility. You know, so many entrepreneurs actually say they'll defer growth rather than take out additional capital. And I think that's because of the fear that actually raising capital could, instead of being, you know, the solution to their cash flow problem, could in itself cause them a challenge in terms of paying it back. And so, you know, the idea is that if we can make that not another worry, it encourages, you know, more founders to actually get the capital they need. I'd quite like to hear a little bit more about some of the people that have used Uncapped so far, who Uncapped is good for. So we'll get into those questions in a minute. But one burning question that comes to mind for me, and so I imagine for anyone listening to this will be, how is Uncapped founded and funded? I mean, when you were coming up with this idea and going through this process of growing Uncapped, I assume there was some fundraising along the way for you. How did that process work? What can you speak on there? Because that must have been a really interesting part of the process is trying to raise capital for this particular venture. Yeah, absolutely. So the funny thing is that, you know, we sort of fundraise perhaps so other folks don't need to. And so, yeah, we've, we've raised about 40 million of capital uh, to date, which then we use to deploy to other entrepreneurs. Um, we've you know been able to raise, I think, from some of the best investors in the world who are probably the VCs who realize that that alternative models are needed. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of they're, they're sort of disrupting themselves by investing in us. 
Um, and at the same time, I think it can be kind of counterintuitive for us to raise raise capital when we're talking to other people about looking for alternatives. I wish you know a business like ours existed to fund us, but I think that the key difference here is that I think you know equity can be part of an entrepreneur's toolkit. And that's one part of it, and it's just about knowing when's the right time to use it. And I think equity is best applied when you are investing in something where you need R and D, where you're going from zero to one. And you know that's what Uncap was. It was you know a really untested new idea that hadn't been deployed you know in this market, and you know proving that it could work. It was perfectly suited for an equity investment. Whereas so many entrepreneurs are actually doing things where they have repeatable, predictable growth, and for that, you know, other options should exist. Going back to that question about who Uncapped is best for, could you maybe break that down and provide any examples of people that have used Uncapped to grow their businesses to date, how they used their funds, invested their funds, and what that process was like for them? Yeah. So I'd say, you know, Uncapped, it's you know particularly relevant for companies in e-commerce and SaaS, but we've actually seen it work, you know, a model that's worked for you know, a wide variety of companies. Um, some of the first companies we work with, um, you know, they were bootstrapped or had taken like really limited investment. You know, our first customers, for example, were fashion brands like Lestrange and Hedwin. Uh, you know, they were great businesses looking to grow without raising venture capital or, or you know, debt capital. Um, Lestrange has gone on to get funded, you know, six additional times from us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to give you a sense of how it works, Hedwin signed up. They got 50000 for an advance at the you know, end of previous year. And it used the funds to increase their Facebook and Instagram marketing. And in a quarter, they saw their revenues grow, you know, 1,106%. So, you know, businesses that have a really good use of investment and can see, you know, a growth opportunity can really benefit from taking capital like this. We've also funded VC-backed businesses. You know, for example, we funded a company called Marshmallow. It's a, a fintech that provides, you know, car insurance to immigrants and expats. And Marshmallow was just looking for a more affordable alternative to VC. And in working with us, they saved seven and a half million. How much in detail do you go into how those businesses are planning to use the investment? How much do Uncapped go into an entrepreneur's business plans, if at all, and how much of that criteria and that eligibility is around how those investment funds are going to be used? Yeah. So our model is really, I guess, different in that way from, I guess, VC, where you would normally in a VC model go really deep into understanding a business. We've kind of like flipped the model on its head and said, you know, we don't really care about the pattern recognition that VCs go through. So we don't look at, you know, where you went to school or, you know, do I like you as an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. We really, you know, focus on the data. And, you know, I don't care if I would ever use your product at all, or it, but as long as you have a product customers are buying and, you know, do you have a channel where you can find more of those customers? So we're not looking about, you know, the size of the market or the structure of your cap table or whether we can get a 10x return. What we do is we connect to the platforms that you already use to run your business. You know, for example, your, um, Stripe account or your Shopify or your Google or your open banking. And we use that data to really quickly get this 360 degree view of how your business is actually performing. And then can turn around and make a funding decision based on that in 24 hours. 
And, you know, because of the fact we're using live data that come from your real systems, it means you're not preparing any, you know, special presentations for us. You're not putting together analysis and forecasts. And it also means we're not needing to do the due diligence because actually we know that that data is real. And so it totally changes the way that companies can be funded. It's, of course, something that, you know, when you go to a a bank, they just don't have the technology to go and think about it that way. And, you know, in our business, you know, half of our team is engineering and data science. And we've built the infrastructure and tech to analyze these kinds of deals at scale. And I think it's going to be really the future of how companies are funded. I think I remember seeing somewhere that the investment range is anywhere between 10K and 4 million. Is that still correct around that figure? <laughs> so our funding actually ranges from 10K up to 2 million. Yeah. Um, you know, we have definitely done some bigger deals more as a one-off. But I guess those are the ones we do more, more standardly kind of every day. And interestingly enough, we, you know, we'll fund as many companies in a day as typically a VC might fund, you know, in a week. Some VCs, what the hell many they fund in a year. The reason I ask that question is because I'm thinking about the application process and I'm wondering how much data comes into play as a decision-making factor in how much you can lend a company. Is it a case that your process, your technology uses historical data to predict future performance and therefore you can relinquish more funds to that particular business? Is that how it works? To some extent. So definitely what we're trying to do is get more confidence about how your business has performed historically so we can make a forecast of how we think it's going to perform in the future mm-hmm. using some data modeling. And you know, so, sometimes having additional data sources and more history introduces more confidence. In some cases, um, very limited data can actually tell us a ton. So it really depends on the nature of your business. If you have a business that's had really predictable, repeatable growth, it's going to be one that's probably a lot easier to fund. Where it gets more challenging is, you know, businesses that have had a lot of volatility or maybe have had, um, you know, a period where they've had to slow down. You know, so many businesses in the past period had to slow down through the COVID period and, you know, rethink their model and pivot. And so, you know, all those things are fine. And then in those cases, we might be saying, hey, let's let's look a little bit longer to make sure we really understand how the business is performing. If you want to understand how marketing is changing and how that will affect your brand, you need Future Proof, the podcast from Kantar that tells you how to find growth. Created in conjunction with Side Business School at Oxford University, the Future Proof podcast provides a unique perspective on what truly makes a difference. To understand what's winning in marketing, subscribe to Future Proof, a Kantar podcast now. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. 
From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Are there any industries or types of company that Uncapped wouldn't work with? Yeah. So, you know, what, what I'd first say is, you know, Uncapped is great if you've generated sales for at least six months and you're doing at least 10K of revenue per month. Then beyond that, you know, the, there are maybe certain industries, as you mentioned, that we, we don't work in. So, and we won't work in things that are related to weapons, drug paraphernalia, as you say, gambling. Yeah. So we can work with companies who are doing gaming, which is kind of the, the difference between are they, you know, games of chance or is there your skill involved? Yeah. So there's probably some really narrow avenues of folks we can't work with. But, you know, I think the high level message is that you know, we think it's a model that works with a really broad range of businesses at a much earlier stage than really, you know, I think any other investors that we would talk to in a typical, um, certainly in a typical banking alternative lending space. And just going back to that application process, uh, there was a question that came to mind that I forgot to ask as you were talking it through. But I'm sure a lot of people listening will be interested in the technology integrations, the kind of companies that you can integrate with and work with. Yeah, so you can use, you can connect with up to 20 different platforms that we already work with, and we're kind of adding more all the time. So, you know, we'll typically be able to connect to your e-commerce store. If you're using you know, Shopify, for example, yeah. we'll connect to your payment platform, whether it's also PayPal or Apple Pay or Google Pay. Uh, we'll be able to connect to your accounting software if it's Xero or Sage or QuickBooks or Zoho. So, you know, it just the list really, really goes on in terms of the number of different providers that we can connect to. And our goal really is just to make it really easy. You know, um, our hope is that we have the provider that you already work with. And if not, you know, we'll figure out an alternative way to basically understand your business and hopefully get you funded you know, in, in maybe a, a little bit longer, but still incredibly quick, I think, versus, versus anybody else in the market. Well, that's a good question, actually, in terms of how long it takes to get funded. So could you maybe speak on that range? I appreciate it's going to be a it depends scenario, but maybe if you could give the fastest example that you've got of someone that's applied for funding and then the time it's been turned around before that money reaches their bank account and maybe some of those applications that take a little bit longer to process. So, you know, we've had businesses that get funding the same day. Um, most businesses will get their offer in 24 hours, but I'd say, you know, it really is actually up to the founder because usually the slowdown is that the founder themselves will need a bit more time to perhaps connect their accounts or, you know, find the right login to the service that they want to utilize or, you know, discuss it with their co-founder or their board member. So, you know, usually the delay I'd say is more on the entrepreneur side. Uh, and I think folks are generally pretty impressed with how quickly it can happen. And another thing that you spoke about very early on actually is that you can do all of this without actually having to speak to someone one-to-one. Is that correct? The entire process you can go through without actually having to, you mentioned, sit down and have a coffee and so forth. Yeah, so you can do. So you can get through the whole process completely digitally. What we do try to do is somewhere in there, find the opportunity to speak to the entrepreneur more just to make sure we really understand their needs. Yeah. So you know, we want to make sure that the founder gets the capital that actually solves their problem. And you know, one of the ways we do that is just by talking to them about you know, what their plans are and how this fits in and, you know, where's the real help that we can provide as well. It's an opportunity for us to understand 
what other ways can we help that business? You know, what other challenges are they facing? And, you know, are there other resources in our ecosystem, you know, through our partners and through our team where we can, you know, help accelerate their business in other ways? Yeah. And you mentioned the fee, the flat 6% fee. And I want to go into fees in a little bit more detail before moving on. The fee part makes sense, the flat fee. But could you perhaps explain a little bit more about how the revenue share figure is determined and the repayment periods as well? How long do people have to repay the investments? Yeah. So I think one of the unique things about this product is that there is no fixed repayment date uh, because it works as a revenue share model. It means that there is no set, you know, fixed payments that are due each month. It flexes with the revenue that you generate. And actually, you know, if your revenue is slow, it can take longer to pay. And in fact, if your revenues went to zero, you're not making any payment. Uh, and in terms of, you know, how we figure out what should that revenue share be, it's, it's actually the founder who chooses what level of revenue they want to share with us. Hmm. So the range, you know, is between one and 25%. And it really depends on the founder saying, hey, what's the, what's the amount of capital that I need? Because the more that they share, the more that we can actually provide them in terms of an advance. And it's that balance to choose what's right for their business. And I think we touched on it earlier, but one interesting thing that's come to light for me as I've learned about Uncapped is that it's not necessarily an either or scenario. So it's not like you have to choose Uncapped or VC or Uncapped and fundraising. You can, and you alluded to this earlier, Uncapped can be something that helps to launch your business and then maybe you seek VC funding at a later date or maybe at the same time. These things can coexist. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So we've had lots of founders, for example, who have been able to, you know, use uncapped kind of earlier days, as you suggested, and maybe get their business to another milestone that perhaps makes them feel they're going to be able to raise at a better valuation, for example, you know, getting to a certain revenue target, or maybe, you know, getting their first international customer, so they could demonstrate you know, that proof point, or that additional proof point. Um, as well, we've seen founders then say, well, you know, I'm going to raise now an equity round, and I was going to raise, you know, 10 million, but instead let me, you know, raise part of this from VC and then the other part from Uncapped that's going to fund the more repeatable, predictable part of my business. And in that way, I actually minimize the amount of dilution that I'm going to take. And so it's like this new way of thinking about the fact that, you know, traditional equity rounds aren't kind of the end all be all and that you have to do it in a certain pattern of seed, series A, series B. I think these days, founders increasingly are thinking more creatively about how do they optimize this situation so they end up owning more of their company. As you're talking this through, the relationship between Uncapped and the rest of the VC world is something that's really interesting to me. I keep thinking back, you said earlier about how Uncapped used VC funding to grow Uncapped the business. And I'm wondering what the response has been from the VC community to and the VC media to Uncapped since you launched. Can you speak through that? So have you had a growing amount of interest from VCs wanting to invest in Uncapped? It's interesting because you could be seen as a threat, but I actually see, as you've been talking it through, I see Uncapped as of, of real benefit to the VC community because you're essentially crowdsourcing all of these wonderful businesses that have potential for growth and using data, using your own insight, 
you're giving a, a different perspective on those businesses to potential investors. So yeah, can you maybe speak a little bit on that process and how that's been for you since launch? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we have, I think, actually a really great relationship with VCs because I think they also realize um, for them, they have a portfolio, which, you know, they've invested in and they also don't want to be diluted. Mm. So one of the great things is that, you know, so much of our businesses come from VCs themselves introducing their own portfolio companies to us and saying, hey, this is an alternative for you because it means actually that that fund will maintain more ownership of their business. As well, so many VCs, um, you know, they, they need to say no to so many people every day. You know, as a VC, they will typically fund a very small portion of the companies that come to them. You know, one in a hundred is probably even, even generous. And so that means that, you know, for those 99 no's that they need to give, it's a much warmer shoulder. They will say, Hey, we have, there's other options that actually exist and, might actually be better for the type of business that you're trying to build. So we have that dynamic going as well. And then I think increasingly, I think VCs realize as well that they're not necessarily the right solution in every case. So, you know, some of our investors talk really openly about the idea that, you know, equity can be a really expensive way to grow. And so depending on how you want to use that money and what stage you're at, it's really not about just going for one funding source with laser focus. Instead, thinking about that wider spectrum of what are the options available to you and what is the best fit for what you're trying to achieve. And, you know, it's that same case. If you are in a place where you are doing, an, you know, a business is in the R&D stage that still needs more time to get to market, venture is still a good solution, right? Mm. But for businesses who are already live, that have predictable customer acquisition costs and repeatable growth, you know, we know we're a better option. Yeah, this is interesting. It leads nicely onto the marketing angle of what I wanted to discuss today because it must be difficult when you launch something like Uncaps knowing what messaging to try and reach businesses with. Um, you don't want to trash VC entirely and say, that's the old way, this is the new way and disrupt it to the level where, yeah, you're seen as a threat in this space and you're not seen as part of the solution to a problem that exists. So I want to just ask you about that process. What did you aim for and what have you aimed for since launch? What messages are there, are there that you wanted to get out there to the world? And what are some of the biggest obstacles that you've had to overcome in your marketing of Uncap? Yeah, so our tagline is that we're a friendlier take on capital. Mm. And I think that reflects, you know, our founding history, you know, about who our first customers were. But it's also like, you know, the ethos of the company of, you know, how we've tried to design everything is really for what we want to give to our friends. And I think that served us really well because actually, you know, so much of our business has come from referrals. It's come from other founders who, you know, speak really publicly about the fact they've taken our capital and, you know, the idea that there's an alternative way to raise. And I think that's the best, the best thing you can possibly ask for when you build a product is to have your customers talk about it. What's been cool as well, as we mentioned, you know, the VC community, the broader um, segment of this of this world has also kind of taken a lot more notice of it and equally been referring a lot of their portfolio and business to us, um, you know, as we discussed. And, and then I think going forward, you're right, though, there is this challenge about what's the right message in terms of being combative or being cooperative um, in this world. And I think, you know, our belief is that, you know, the, the high tide can rise all boats. 
And so what we've kind of worked on it, it gives a solution and a, and a way of messaging that I think um, appeals to kind of those, those different groups. And what do you think has given you the most traction since launch? Trust comes to mind for me as a big one. Uh, so is there anything like that that you had to really focus on as part of launch? Yeah, absolutely. I think you've really hit the nail on the head with trust because I think when we first announced this product to the market, so much of the reaction was kind of disbelief. You know, mm. it's a comment about like, what's the catch? <laughs> and, uh, you know, even when we do our Facebook and Instagram ads, typically that is the one of the most common comments that you get. Because, you know, <laughs> we say, we want to loan you 2 million pounds and people want to know, well, what, how are you going to do that? <laughs> and it is kind of a bit of magic, you know, that's made the solution work because it's that leap forward. And I think that's kind of a sign too, that you're onto something when you can actually inspire a little bit of magic, especially in the world of financial services, right? And uh, being able to give that, I think, has intrigued people and maybe been a bit of a hook, but also in that, hey, we really need to, you know, dig down to explain like who we are and where we're coming from and be able to convey that feeling of trust through our brand and through our messaging, but also the partners that we have and, you know, the other brands that we kind of stand on as, you know, uh, giants, uh, who are maybe some of our investors who have also spoken really publicly about the idea that, you know, fundraising is changing. I know that you have people there available to talk to at Uncapped if you need to, but the fact that you can go through this entire funding process without speaking to someone means that you have to look at trust and reinforce trust in a completely different way. It, it's not enforcement of trust or trying to establish trust through those one-to-one relationships. You have to do that through your branding and through things like social proof as well, through appearances like this on podcasts. So is there anything else like that that you think has been critical to try and establish some form of trust on your site? Is there anything that you can speak on? Well, I think one of the big things we've done is just have great case studies where we've had you know different established entrepreneurs who've taken our capital and then been really willing to you know give a quote on our website or do a deeper case study where they talk about the impact that it's had on them. And I think that is essential, I think, for every business, right, to have customers who are ready to talk about you and, uh, you know, express the difference that you've made. And for us as well and for our team, you know, every time you know, we were able to, to write up one of those case studies and get it out there, I think we're also so proud of, you know, the things and the impact that we've been able to have, especially for founders who may have otherwise been in a place where they wouldn't have achieved that full potential, you know, if they didn't have access to that capital. And, you know, I think hopefully, you know, that products like ours are really taking out the bias from decision-making that kind of impedes a lot of those other funding mechanisms like gender, race, economic class, diversity challenges that, you know, we've seen in the, you know, in the VC system. And it's not, you know, a proactive mandate necessarily, but it's just starting to look at data objectively rather than subjectively. And, you know, seeing that that kind of impact that we can make is, is really, really cool. As well, my belief always is that has been that, you know, entrepreneurs are the ones who are going to solve our biggest problems in the world. So if you think about, you know, the challenges that we're facing with the environment or the economy, you know, it's going to be entrepreneurs, I think, that really find the solutions that, make those changes. And so if we're able to help more of those entrepreneurs get access to capital and make some of that difference, and we can play a, you know, a small part in it, it's a really, really cool thing to see. 
And on that note, what does the future of Uncapped look like for you? Where are you at today as we speak in terms of your goals for the rest of this year? What's going on behind the scenes at Uncapped that you can speak on to give our listeners a bit of an indication about how you're growing and where you're going to? Yeah, so we're really in a, in a lucky spot that you know our business has been doubling every quarter. So, you know, I think the idea of alternative funding is just becoming much more popular and, you know, people are becoming more comfortable. Maybe there's more trust as well as they've seen Mm -hmm. more and more founders start to absorb this, you know, different approach. And I think, you know, our history was that, you know, when we started off, we launched, you know, we knew that, you know, selling equity to buy Facebook and Google ads was just a bad deal for founders. And so that's where we focused and we mainly funded companies for advertising and inventory. Mm-hmm. And then since then, we you know, set out to help companies get funding for any purpose, including you know, launching a new product, expanding internationally, growing a team. And I think what we're going to be doing next is just keep finding ways to help more entrepreneurs get capital. So thinking about how do we you know, keep innovating in terms of the products that we're providing so that we can you know, even you know, further expand the range of entrepreneurs that, that have different situations and still, you know, maybe aren't being fully served to support them as well as expanding to new markets. So, you know, we start off in the UK, we're now in 13 markets across Europe. So, you know, we'll continue to be in more places around the world so that, you know, we can help more entrepreneurs get capital. And Asha, I'm interested to know as well, similar question, but what's your personal role in that? You're clearly very passionate about this space. You've got a lot of experience. What's your role at Uncapped into the future? And where where will you be personally spending your time? (laughs) Yeah, so I I kind of um, uh, start off kind of as the the classical founder (laughs) where I have many hats and, you know, get involved in everything to, to some degree. But I think also, I think one of the things as a founder you realize is that you can be involved in everything, but not necessarily a master of any of those. And so I'm really lucky to now have been able to hire some incredible people who are much more talented at me at marketing and product and people operations and, you know, all the other things we need to build a really fast growing business. And so, you know, I have them taking over some of those things. And I think my role will probably be kind of maybe steering the the overall ship along with my co-founder to really uh, make sure we you know, maximize that opportunity. And just my final question before we close out today, who inspires you in this space? So that could be another financial tech company, another financial service company. Who do you think maybe shares a similar ethos to Uncapped and has inspired you along the journey? And if not a business, perhaps a person, a resource, a book that you could recommend? Well, you know, one of the brands that I think we were really inspired by in our early days was certainly TransferWise, um, now called Wise, of course. And I think, you know, what they did was, you know, they took on this challenge of folks thinking about getting their currency exchange from traditional banks. And I think the marketing and the campaigns they put together in those early days were just really inspiring in terms of, you know, how do they take uh, a space that, you know, probably isn't very sexy and just make it really newsworthy. And, you know, the idea that they were, challenging the banks and saying that, hey, there should be this different way to approach financial services was was just really, really cool. And I think I've always had that in the back of my mind. Tavit at TransferWise, you know, would go on to be one of our biggest supporters. And, you know, you can you can see him talking about us um, on our website. 
But as well, I'd say the main inspiration, I think, for us day to day at Uncapped is really our customers. So I think about, you know, hearing the stories of the challenges that they've overcome and the creativity that they have in their marketing and the, you know, amazing ways they go on to use capital to achieve, you know, small amounts to achieve really big things. And I mean, it's really inspiring every day. That's brilliant and a great way to close out the podcast. But before I let you go, do you want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about you and Uncap? So if you want to find out more about us, I think the best way is to visit our website at weareuncapped.com. Wonderful. And as you've talked about in the podcast here, you can check out the case studies there. You can check out all the FAQs about Uncapped, some of which we've covered today on this episode. And uh, I just want to say thank you again for your time. And this has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Take care. If you want to understand how marketing is changing and how that will affect your brand, you need Future Proof, the podcast from Kantar that tells you how to find growth. Created in conjunction with Side Business School at Oxford University, the Future Proof podcast provides a unique perspective on what truly makes a difference. To understand what's winning in marketing, subscribe to Future Proof, the Kantar podcast now. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.